Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. You know, we've been in a series for several weeks. Pastor Brandon has done such an excellent job on this series, and I've just received so much from it. And, it, you know, we're talking today about the, the three-ring circus of life. And, and there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of things that come in this life we live. But we are called to control ourselves. We're called to be Christ-like. We're called to be like Christ. And this morning, we're going to talk about the fire breather. You know, in the circus, we've all seen the fire breather. The guy that stands out there and he lights up this alcohol as it blows out of his mouth. And, you know, it's an inherently dangerous job. It's dangerous to him. It's dangerous to everybody around him. You know, the, the fire breather, they use a low flashpoint fuel. And it's usually a purified lamp oil. Because you don't want something that's very explosive, something that's going to burn back on him. So they use a, a low flashpoint fuel. And this can lead to a lot of problems. It can lead to their death. It can cause them dental problems. It can burn their mouth. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong. But I liken a fire breather to a lot of us, especially from my family growing up. You know, an anger problem is a whole lot like a fire breather. You know, a, a low flashpoint doesn't take much to set you off. And then you're a danger not only to yourself, but to others around you. And then it can create other problems. I mean, you can get so mad, you could cause yourself to have a heart attack. It can cause you to have some dental problems if you get your teeth knocked out. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things that can go wrong. It, it's not a great thing to be a fire breather. I was raised... In a family, my dad was a fire breather. Still is. He'll be 92 in May. He's still just as ornery as he ever was. And uh, I was just raised that way. It was almost like a, when I'd get angry over something and daddy was so proud of me because I had a temper. Oh, you got a temper just like granddaddy. Just like granddaddy. It's almost like getting a merit badge in the Boy Scouts. It's so ridiculous when you think back on it now. I hope nobody teaches their kids that way. You know, we don't need to do that. But in our family, it was the men that had the anger problem. It was the men that was all right for them to get mad, but not the ladies. And then lo and behold, I got married. And I find out that women can have an anger problem too. (laughs) And not only do they get angry, they stay angry. You know, I can get mad, and I mean, chew through that metal pipe, and then two minutes later, I'm good. I'm good. No, Lori, you know, it's, it's a seething anger. can go on for days, you know, and talk about a cold place to be in the bed next to somebody like that. And there's no making up for a while, let me tell you. I know, I've been there. But Ephesians 4.26, our first scripture, Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Man, have I ever messed that one up. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. 
Don't give the devil a good hold. Your anger just opens that door, and he's waiting to get in. He's looking for that opening. He wants a piece of you, and he'll get it if you let him. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was with the game wardens, and I was the major here for the, the western region, I had everything from here to El Paso, from the Panhandle down to Mexico. And uh, I had a colonel. I learned a lot from him. He's a super smart man. But he's always telling me, take some time off. Take some time off. You know, take Laurie, go somewhere. And I hardly ever did that. I just, uh, I was responsible for things. And I didn't like to be gone because I like to take care of business. But finally, I took Laurie. We went to Riosa, New Mexico. Got us a nice cabin up there. And we're sitting out on the top floor, this deck, drinking coffee. And then I get a call from my colonel, the one that's always telling me to go take time off. And he starts telling me how he's thinking about retiring. And since he's thinking about retiring, maybe all of us majors that were eligible to retire, maybe we need to think about it too. So then I, you know, I start reading between the lines. I, I told Laura, I said, something ain't right here. So this goes on, and we talk for a good while. And, but I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about what he said. Less than seven hours later, he sends out an email, and he says, well, I'm not going to retire. I've decided to stay, and I'm going to steer the ship. Oh, I am mad now, because now I know what he was trying to do. He had some plans, you know, to revamp some of the regions, and he was trying to shovel some of us out of the way. I'm so mad that I'm grinding my teeth. And I go to bed that night, and I'm still grinding my teeth. I mean, I am hot. And it's the way I used to be, used to be. I break a molar. I crack one of my molars grinding my teeth. Get back to San Angelo, go to the dentist. There's nothing they can do. They tried fixing a few things and finally said, we're just going to have to pull it. Well, you know, that anger only hurt me. It didn't hurt him. He's sleeping like a baby at home. He wouldn't, he'd have been crying if I'd caught up with him that day. <laughs> but it didn't hurt him. But when I got back to San Angelo and got settled back in, I drove to headquarters in Austin. And I walked into his office. I told him what happened. And I said, you know, that will never happen again. You will never be able to do that to me again. He said, what do you mean? He's thinking I'm fixing to quit. I said, because I won't let you get under my skin. I refuse. I made a choice. I would not let him get under my skin like that ever again. And y'all can make that choice today too. You don't have to fire up because someone offends you or whatever. You can make a choice to handle it differently. Amen? Yeah. Our first point, refuse to allow your anger to control you. To do this, you need God. You need God. You're not going to fix your problem on your own. You need the strength of God. And that's true for this, and it's true for everything else in your life. See, we're created in God's image, and God created us with emotions. And there's good emotions like love and joy and peace. Those are good things, but there's other emotions like sadness and bitterness and anger, you know, that are not good for you. And you don't want to indulge in those. They only hurt you in the long run, and they hurt those that are closest to you. The world will tell you, 
well, this is who you are, and everybody just needs to deal with it, and you need to cope with it. That's not right. We're called to be like Christ. And I guarantee you that Steve Whitaker today is not the Steve Whitaker that I was 30 years ago. I have changed, and I continue to change. And I'm trying to learn to be more Christ-like. And I don't have the anger problem like I used to have. I'm sorry I don't still get mad sometimes, but Laurie keeps me in check. Amen? <laughs> that's, that's what wives do. But we're called to not be in bondage to our emotions. We're not supposed to be in bondage to our emotions. We can control them. Isaiah 26.3 in the Message Bible says, People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole, steady on their feet, because they keep at it and don't quit. Depend on God and keep at it, because in the Lord God you have a sure thing. You have a sure thing in the Lord. His strength is there. It's sure, it's steady, it's faithful. Isaiah 26.3 in the New Living says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You have to fix your thoughts on God for Him to, to be able to work in your life. You need to fix your thoughts on Him. And you can do that. It, it's a choice. We make choices every day. And if it's a priority for us, we'll do it. I see this all the time. Someone said, well, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. Well, but they have time for other things. But this is critical. This is critical. Fixing your eyes on God. Keeping your focus on God. It's critical. The truth is that emotions are not simply a response. They are a choice. You choose how you respond to things. You choose. You choose. Um, one of the most intriguing scriptures to me is John 14 1 and you got a picture of this it's the night before the crucifixion Jesus is talking to his disciples he knows what's fixing to happen to him you can imagine the tremendous burden he was carrying he knew you know they're gonna they're gonna beat him they're gonna you know the word says he was like unrecognizable as a man we we see these pretty pictures of Jesus hanging on a cross and you know, he looks okay, a little bit of blood. It was nothing like that. I, I picture him more like a piece of hamburger meat. They, they, they beat him unrecognizable. Stripped all the flesh off his back with a cat of nine tails. Horrible. Well, he's facing that. He's talking to his disciples. Now they're fixing to go through a complete change in their life. They've given everything up to follow him. And now it's all coming to naught in their eyes. And what does he tell them? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Man, how awesome. And it was a command. It wasn't, hey, why don't y'all think about doing this? Or you know, maybe you, you should consider going back to what you No, he... He's saying, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to go through. But believe in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. What an awesome, awesome thing. See, it's natural in a situation like that. It's natural to have an emotional response. But you are not just natural if you're a believer. See, if you're a believer, you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. 
the very power that raised Jesus from the dead. You're a child of the Most High God. You're a king, priest, a joint heir with Jesus. That's who you are. You're not just natural. At least one-third of you is Holy Ghost, supernatural. You know, so we, don't, we don't need to be looking at ourselves, oh, I'm just human, I'm just this. No, you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Man, you don't need anything else. That's what you've got it. See, emotional stability does depend on our trust in God, not our circumstances. And the beautiful thing about the Lord, he tells us how to handle these situations, how to handle our circumstances. And we see that in Philippians 4, verse 6. One of my favorite verses says, Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about nothing. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't you want that? Man, I do. I I want that. I want that peace of God all the time. It goes on uh, in Philippians to say, you know, think on these things. What's true, what's noble, what's just, what's lovely, what's pure, what's of a good report, a good report. When my wife was in the hospital a few years ago, we got a lot of bad reports from the doctor, a lot of bad reports. At one point, they were talking, asking me if we were ready to call hospice. We did not dwell on those bad reports. We dwelled on the good reports from God that Jesus had already paid for her healing. And we focused on that. I guarantee you, if we had been the other way and neither one of us were really focusing on the good report, I think things would have been very sour in a hurry. So you need to focus on the good things. Worrying is just negative meditation. You know, sometimes we hear that word meditation and we think, oh, Middle East or Far East chanting and doing these weird things, standing on your head and chanting and all this stuff. That meditation is just like mulling it over, taking the Word of God like a cow chewing its cud and just mulling it over, just chewing on it. That's meditation. So worrying is just negative meditation. For those of us that say, well, I don't have time to meditate on the Word of God. Do you have time to worry 24-7? I say most of you do. I've done that. Be, you know, be working on something. I could be whatever. Driving down the road, building a project, arguing with Laurie, and be worrying about something else all at the same time. You can think on the things of God 24-7. It's doable. So you've got to make that choice. You've got to make that choice. Back in the, in the 80s, when I was 30 years old, I was starting to have some issues with high blood pressure. And it was really, and, and, I, and I, honestly, I didn't know a whole lot back then about the Word of God. Or, I mean, I was in church, but I, it's my fault. It's not the pastor's fault. I just wasn't paying enough attention. And I wasn't putting myself into the Word of God and really seeing it for myself. But I started to have high blood pressure. 
you know, I was 30 years old. I was in good shape. I worked out all the time. And all of a sudden, you know, my blood pressure on the low side's at 100. And uh, they're talking about putting me on medication, and I'm, I'm not wanting any of that. don't want any of that. don't understand it. Well, at this time, one of the highway patrol there in Sierra Blanca where we lived, we shared an office in the courthouse. He was a hot rodder, and I liked a hot rod. And I was looking for a bigger engine to put in my pickup, and he had a 429 Mercury motor that I wanted. And so we made a deal. And he said, if you go buy me this overhaul kit for my motor, I'll give you that 429. I said, okay. So I drive to El Paso, spend some money that we didn't have. My wife was very unhappy about it. It's a 160-mile round trip. Come back to Sierra Blanca, walk in the courthouse, say, hey, I got those parts. We're ready to trade. Uh, I'm not sure I want to trade. Me being my anger like I was at that time, I said, oh, no, we're going to trade. One of us ain't walking out of here because we're going to trade. We made a deal. And anyway, and he wasn't going to get out of there one way or another because I was mad, and he knew I was mad. It's not the way to be. But anyhow, we kind of finally worked it out, and we did trade, by the way. And uh, we decided to go down and get a cup of coffee. And he said, well, let's stop by the health office on the way. He said, I need to check my blood pressure. And I said, okay, I'll check mine too. So they check his, it's normal. They check mine, it's 165 over 110. I'm still mad. <laughs> Not today, but. But you know what changed my life on that? I took this scripture right here, Philippians 4, 6. I wrote it out on a piece of paper, be anxious for nothing. And I taped it on the dash of my truck because back then I had this idea. I was always looking for the worst that could happen. That was my mentality. When I'd go to work, I'd say, okay, if I get over here and this, 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 this happens, or if it was in our finances or if it was due to our marriage or whatever, I was always thinking, well, what's the worst that could happen so I could be prepared for it? That's a bad idea. That's a bad way to think. You need to be concentrating on the good things of God. What's the best that can happen? But I took that scripture, put it on my dash. Every day I get in that truck and drive down the road and I'd look at it. Be anxious for nothing, be anxious for nothing. In a few weeks, I went by one day to have my blood pressure checked and it was normal. And that's been 32 years ago. It's never been high again. Never been high because I got that word into my heart. See, the, the heart's where you believe from. You can have head knowledge. You can know a lot about the Bible in your head. But if you don't meditate on it and chew on it until you get it down in your heart, you're not going to believe it. This is where you believe from. Never had high blood pressure again. Another emotion, a strong emotion, is lust. Lust is where sin is conceived. And we'll look in uh, James 1 in verse 13. James 1.13 in the Message Bible says, Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil. That means God is unable to be affected by evil. And puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing, 
flare-up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby, sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. And then in verse 19, it says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You know, if we would just follow that right there, it would make a change in our life. Sometimes someone says something that offends us or makes us mad, we just need to be quiet a minute. Just sit back and think about it. We don't have to respond right away. You know, you heard of people that fight at the drop of the hat. My dad was that way, and then he'd be the one to drop the hat. You know, that's not the way to respond to people. That's not the way. Sit back, think about it. Before you say something, give God a chance to to move. Amen? See, what you continually think about will control your emotions. If you continually think on the things of God, the promises of God, what Jesus has done for you, who you are in Christ, that will control your emotions. But if you dwell on how mad somebody made you, what your wife said to you, what your boss did to you, whatever it might be, you're going to be controlled by those emotions. Jesus chose to forgive his crucifiers. He chose to forgive them. We can too. Let's look in Ephesians 4, 31. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger... And clamor, clamor is just confusion and noise. And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Malice is the desire to do evil. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You think about it, how ugly your life was. If you're a believer now, think about how it was before you met God. I can think of a lot of things that I wouldn't want anybody to know about me, things that I've done. But God, in His ultimate love for mankind, He chose to send His Son to die for us, knowing everything you're ever going to do wrong, ever have done wrong, He knew that, and He still chose to die for us. That's the love of our God. That's the love of our God. And if God loves us that much and can forgive us, why can't we forgive one another? Amen? We can regulate our conduct by the beliefs in our heart. The strength is believing in God, agreeing with His Word, spending time with Him. That's where you make the change. You know, change is a process. It doesn't always happen real quick. But you got to make that choice and decide, I will not be like this. I will be Christ-like. I will do this. I won't do that. You make those choices, those decisions. One thing that I have seen is emotional people have a hard time staying hitched up to the Word of God when severe circumstances come. Because if you're an emotional person, very emotional, roller coaster, dwelling on the negative, you're going to have a hard time believing God when you get pinched. And at some time in your life, you're going to get pinched some way. Some circumstance is going to pinch you 
And what's in your heart is going to come out. That's the truth. God is our refuge and our strength. It says, do not fear. Fear is another emotion. I know fear not is used like 80 times in the Bible, maybe more. But God is our refuge and our strength. What do we have to fear? We shouldn't fear anything. In John 17, 20, it says, God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. If he loves you as much as he loves Jesus, and that's what the word says, we can rejoice. We should rejoice all the time. We should never be unhappy. Amen? He loves us that much. But see, we're accountable for our thoughts, our words, our actions. And if we want to change our current way of life to a better one, we must choose God's way. Again, you won't do these things in your own strength. You know, sometimes we think we're pretty powerful on our own. We think we're pretty strong. Mentally, we think, oh, I can deal with this and I'm strong enough. You're going to hit a point sometime where you're not strong enough on your own. You will find that out. I found that out plenty of times in my life. And I have resigned myself to this truth. I can't do it on my own. I've got to do it with the strength of God. And I promise you, he will never let you down. He will never let you down if you will always turn to him. He is a good God. Romans 12.1 says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Man, that's a huge no-no. And we do this. It's easy to do. But sometimes we just fit into the culture around us without even thinking about it instead of staying fitting in in God's culture God has a better culture than what we see in this world instead it says fix your attention on God you'll be changed from the inside out from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. See, if you rely on the world around you, you will be brought down to immaturity. That's just the way of the world. But when you rely on God, He's going to bring you to a higher level. And you're going to go to a higher level yet. And the rest of your life, as long as you rely on Him and you seek Him and, and you operate in His strength, you're going to keep going to higher and higher level. And ultimately, like I said earlier, our goal is to be like Christ. It says in His Word that the things that He did, that we would do, and even greater things. Man, that's an awesome statement. I haven't done everything He's done yet, but I want to. But see, that's where our focus needs to be. That's where our strength comes from. So you've got to stay focused on Christ. Our bottom line here today, it's not really what others do to us that upsets us. It's the way we think about it. It's really the way we think about it. We have a choice to make. If, if you're here today, I would encourage you to make that choice that you're going to do it God's way. That you're going to do it 
by the example of Christ. You're going to forgive those people that mistreat you, that offend you, that hate you. You're going to forgive them because Christ forgave you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.